Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Slide Into Sports. As you probably guessed by the title, we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. From what plays were game changers to who had the most impact on the game, from the halftime show to how often we saw Tay-Tay on screen. We are covering everything Super Bowl today. Um, we're going to move Travel or Not to next week um, because I have some new, there's like a new rule that I'm going to do for it and we're going to implement that more next week. But if you guys have any clips or compilations of travels, uh, send those to the Discord. All right, let's get into it. So we're going to start with the key plays. And there was quite a few this game, especially in the first quarter, because the defenses were on fire in the first quarter. Well, really first half. To start out, To start it off, on the first drive of the game, the Chiefs' defense caused the 49ers to fumble. This drive was six plays, and on that sixth play, Christian McCaffrey was running the ball, and the Chiefs' defense got him to fumble as they were bringing him down, and they recovered the football. The Niners were moving very effectively down the field, and this would have been a great opportunity for them to set the tone of the game and score the first points on the first drive of the game. Luckily, their defense was able to force the Chiefs to punt and go three and out even after their turnover. The next play that I thought had a really great impact was another fumble, except this time it was not the 49ers who fumbled the ball. It was the Chiefs. This drive was important because the Niners had just scored a field goal, putting up the first points on the board, and this was the Chiefs' opportunity to either answer with another field goal, or take the lead with the touchdown. This led the Niners to having another opportunity at scoring a a touchdown and or another field goal and extending their lead, either by three points or seven points. But the Chiefs' defense did force them to punt, so it didn't... Luckily, the the Chiefs' defense was there to kind of bail out the offense. Another play that I found that had a huge impact on the game was the Christian McCaffrey touchdown on the 49ers' last play of their last drive of the half. It was a trick play. Brock threw it to Jennings, who threw it to McCaffrey, and then he ran it in for the touchdown. The Chiefs were able to answer at the end of the half with the field goal, cutting the 49ers' lead down from 10-7, to while also resetting the longest field goal record in the NFL uh, in the Super Bowl that the Niners had just gotten uh, in their field goal. I believe that was 54 yards. And the Niners' field goal was 51 yards. So it was not even like really 10 minutes that that record stood. Is that a record for shortest standing record maybe? I don't know. But yeah, no, that also added the score with that field goal, added up to 13, and uh, we know whose lucky number 13 is. So um, that probably might have had an effect on the outcome of the game with in terms of, like, luck. To start off the second half, the Chiefs had the ball, and on this next play, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, and we don't really see him throw a lot of those. This was the fourth play of the half, and this was about 90 seconds in. 
I don't know about you guys, but when I first saw this play out, I thought it was going to set precedent for the half. Uh, but the Chiefs' defense came through again and bailed the bailed the offense out, and then forced the Niners to punt. All right, this next play to me is where I think the shift from the it shifted from the 49ers having more control of the game to the Chiefs having more control of the game. Um, and it really gave me an indicator as to the Chiefs being the ones to win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs were forced to punt, but the Niners muffed it, and the Chiefs recovered it right by their end zone. So they it, they really didn't have to do much to drive uh, to get there. Uh, they scored in two plays, and at this point, the Chiefs took the lead. So, yeah, no, they. this is when they started their comeback, and they— came back. And this leads right into my next play uh, that I thought had probably the most impact on the game. The Niners were able to answer with a touchdown, but the Chiefs blocked the PAT. So instead of scoring seven points, the Niners scored six points. This PAT, in my opinion, was the most important thing that happened in this game because if the Niners had that point, the Chiefs would have been forced to go for it on fourth down and go for the touchdown instead of the field goal to take the lead to win. Since the Chiefs only needed three to tie, because of the missed PAT, they were able to take the game into overtime by just going for the field goal and running down the clock. Uh, but yeah, no, if the if the Niners didn't have that PAT blocked, we could we could have been looking at a very different outcome of the game. In this next play, uh, during overtime, so now we're we're shifting from regular time to overtime, uh, the Niners converted to get first down, but a flag was thrown for offensive holding. This was a 10-yard penalty that forced the Niners back, which I'm sure was frustrating for them because they had just converted on first down. It was second and two, they converted, and then they go back 10 yards, so instead of it being first and 10, it was second and 12. Um... The penalty was on the secondary tight end, or yeah, the secondary tight end, Braden Willis, uh, and this was the play right before George Kittle, who's normally their tight end. He went out for a couple of plays because the Niners wanted to check and make sure he didn't have a shoulder injury, and he was kind of battling with with one a little bit for the year, but I mean, you could see on George Kittle's face that. He knew that if he was in, that that offensive holding probably that it wouldn't have happened. But the Niners ended up not being able to convert because, like, just because um, Brock Purdy missed a pass on third down, and then they had to settle for the field goal. And honestly, I don't think they would have been in that situation in the first place if they had just let the Chiefs take the ball first. Uh, but we'll get to that part later. In the last play. Uh, Well, actually, really, it's not even a play. Uh, Just a decision that pretty much sealed the Niners' fate was taking the ball first in overtime. They have seen what the Chiefs do in overtime, right? Uh, Did they not watch all the playoff games that the Chiefs and Bills played where the Chiefs beat them in OT? The Chiefs built that one of those Chiefs-Bills games literally caused the rules to change for overtime. Um, But, you know... Sometimes you got to learn things the hard way, I suppose. When they decided to take the ball first, they put more pressure on themselves to score 
a touchdown instead of a field goal, and then that that put their defense in kind of a bad situation. Now, first look, you would think this is a, a smart decision because with the overtime rules, if you get the ball third, assuming that both teams score a touchdown or field goal leading to second overtime, then all you'd have to do is just drive down the field and get some kind of points on the board. But you're playing against the Chiefs who are like the overtime kings, so you'd want to put more pressure on the Chiefs to have to score and then you come back out with your offense and then tie it and then your defense gets more rest going into second overtime and and there you go. But, yeah. And in my opinion, that kind of sealed their fate because of how well the Chiefs perform in overtime all the time. Uh, the Chiefs ended up ending the game with a touchdown pass to from Mahomes to Hardman, uh, it was it was a walk in for him. There was there's no one guarding him. Uh, they were calling it the Andy Reid special, where it was a play with uh, a lot of deception. But uh, yeah, yeah, no. If they if the 49ers had chosen to take the ball second, I think it would have ended a lot better for them. But we'll never know. Okay, now I want to talk about who had the most impact on the field, but I don't necessarily have anyone specific in mind because the defenses were the heroes on both teams, the Chiefs and Niners. And I say this because normally, like, Mahomes, he put up great numbers and everything, but he did make more mistakes than normal, so I don't think that he necessarily, like, it almost, like, canceled out, like, his mistakes versus his statistics and impact that he had, like, they almost cancel out to me. And Purdy, like he didn't have as good of stats as Mahomes, but he did he did play well, but I don't think it was well enough to win. I mean, as we saw with the outcome of the game. Uh but yeah, no, the Niners defense, uh like so we're gonna start off with the Niners defense here. So the Niners defense sacked Mahomes three times. They figured out how to keep him in the pocket, uh, because when Mahomes gets out of the pocket, he's able to extend plays because he can really use his legs effectively. So being able to keep Mahomes contained in the pocket, even when the um, when the linemen, I guess, kind of escape, like they, they're forcing Mahomes into a box and that shortens the plays and forces Mahomes to make mistakes. And that paid off too because he did end up throwing an interception. And again, like I said earlier, you don't normally see Mahomes throw interceptions like that. Unless, of course, when uh, Kadarius Toney is dropping the ball. But that's a, that's another thing. You know, they applied a lot of pressure to Mahomes, forced him to make a lot of mistakes, especially early on in the game. And I think that kept the 49ers in the game for as long as they were in. Now, for the Chiefs defense... They didn't really force Purdy to make too many costly mistakes. Uh, there was a couple short passes that I saw from Purdy that you know maybe could have been thrown a little bit better because of the pressure they applied. But they didn't sack Purdy once, and they did not get Purdy to throw an interception. So in that regard, and I'll get to this a little bit more in detail later, is why like Purdy and Mahomes almost played like equivalent games in my eyes, but. 
But once the second half started, the Chiefs' defense, um, they really started to figure out the Niners' offense, and they also, like, they guarded the receivers really well, especially Debo and Kittle. Um, they were able to cover cover them a lot, forcing Purdy to, like, when he did throw, to force it to people that he might not normally throw, lengthening the amount of time that he would have to throw, giving the lineman, the defensive lineman more time to get to Purdy and attempt to sack him. Now for the QBs. Purdy didn't get sacked or thrown interception, so he didn't really make a lot of mistakes, but Mahomes did have and Mahomes did have more yards and touchdowns and also pass attempts. But I think because Mahomes had made those mistakes and also like I guess I wouldn't say allowed himself to get sacked just because of how the Niners defense contained him. But, you know, just for the sake of it, that's what we're going to say. Um, I think their games were pretty equal. Like, if you had them switch teams, <coughs> the outcome wouldn't have been too much different. I mean, I've seen online where people do, like, uh, simulated games on Madden. I don't think those really show how the, like, how the situation would go out but I mean it's always there's they're always fun to watch either way being a pretty like he he played well like he played well he was making great throws in the first half of the game um but again the Chiefs defense they they started to figure Purdy and the playbook out and they covered well and then he started making a couple short throws Couple overthrows, being forced to throw it out of bounds, and even though Mahomes' stats were good and good enough to win the game, <coughs> those mistakes could have prevented the Chiefs from going to overtime and taking the game in in regular time. Okay, now we're going to talk about the halftime show, which was performed by Usher. I'm going to give it a grade, so I'm going to give it like an overall grade from A plus to F. Uh, I'm basing the overall grade off of a few factors, which I'm also going to give those factors individual grades as well, and that's going to be, was the performance dynamic, uh, did I know most of the songs, and the stage work and the sound. All right, so first the performance. To me, I thought it was... I thought it was pretty dynamic. There was a lot of stuff going on visually um, in the background with the dancers as well as with the outfits. There's a lot of things going on. There's also a lot of features, which I think in Usher's case helped him a lot. <coughs> but one of those, like like some visual elements I really liked was like the roller skating on the stage. I thought that was pretty cool. And also the um, when they went over to Alicia Keys, like when she came on to the set, she was wearing like a big giant red cape, and she was also behind the piano. But as they like turned the camera over to her, like a couple seconds later, the cape just kind of came flying off, and it it just looked awesome. 
like the way it just kind of flew away. It was just very visually appealing. Also, Usher is a pretty good dancer, I will say. He knows how to move. Um, so I think for me, the like on the performance, I would give it an A. All right, now we have whether or not I knew most of the songs. So this part was kind of a letdown just because there's a, a few Usher songs that I wanted to be in there that weren't in there. Um, but I only knew like four of the songs that he put in there, maybe even less. And I was genuinely surprised just because, I mean, I listened to old, some of Usher's like old stuff a lot just because, you know, that lots of that stuff came out during like when I was a child. And that was what we all kind of listened to or listened to music kind of like that. But the ones I did not know, though, I did kind of vibe with just because the just because Usher sang well and the features also did their jobs well, like they the features came through a lot and they sang well as well. But because of the fact that I didn't really know more of the songs, I'm going to give it a C minus. I feel like I would have enjoyed it more if I knew more of the songs. Like last year with Rihanna's halftime show, she didn't have a lot of features, but her song list was put together well. It transitioned very seamlessly throughout the entirety of the show. And I knew basically all of the songs. So I was able to enjoy it very easily. Lastly, we have the stage work and sound. Now, I kind of added this in just because of uh, my internship that I did in Houston, where I learned a lot more of like how production works. <coughs> so being able to spot stuff like that is coming a lot easier to me now. Uh, at the start, when Usher first started singing, the mic was very spotty. It didn't sound like the signal from the mic to whoever was controlling the sound was not very good. So, I mean, otherwise, the sound wasn't too bad. Uh, Usher did have, like, three or four costume changes. Uh, he did them very quickly and kept switching from face mic to hand mic. Like, sometimes he'd have the hand mic. Like, when he was with Alicia Keys on the stage, when they were doing their thing, he had the hand mic. Uh, but when he was roller skating, and also at the start of the show where he was on the throne, he had the face mic. Uh, yeah, no, he... I think he, for his costume changes, he was wearing, like, the robe thing for... Like, the white outfit where he was also had a robe, threw the robe off... Then he changed into a blue, almost like armor outfit, and then put roller skates on. Then he ran off stage, took the roller skates off, and then changed into high tops. And then there was another costume, but I'm kind of blanking on what it was. But when he was changing from costume to costume and mic to mic, the features were there. So he was changing while the features were singing and doing their thing, which I thought was good because otherwise, like, there's going to be just a random pause. And with the Super Bowl halftime show, you only get 15 minutes. So time management with that I thought was great. You know, like I said earlier, there's a lot of stuff going on with the background. The background dancers did well. Uh, so I think with the, the stage work and sound category, I'm going to give that a B plus.
And with that, my overall grade for the halftime show was a B. The knowing the songs category to me had the most weight because I feel like that is like it, that's supposed to be the most enjoyable part. Like you're supposed to like know all the songs and you know have fun with that. But um, I mean, like I said earlier, like with Rihanna, like you knew more than four songs. Like she played her hits. Like that's what you're supposed to do, or you're supposed to play like kind of older songs, like maybe make it more nostalgic. It seemed like Usher tried to do like a mix of both, and I think to me and a lot of people, it didn't really end that. It didn't really get that feel. I guess like it just there's just too much trying to mix it. He probably should have done like maybe do like nostalgia one time, and then maybe like in a few years, maybe he like does his newer stuff or something. Okay, now let's talk about how much we saw. Tay-Tay on screen. Uh, This will be pretty quick because we didn't really see her all too much, to be completely honest. I really expected the broadcaster, the broadcasters to throw her in our faces all the time, like throughout the entirety of the game. But um, I mean, they kind of did at the end of the game just because, you know, she like her boyfriend's like on the Chiefs and she's celebrating the Chiefs win. Like they're obviously going to show that. But, I mean, even still, like, they didn't really show her all too much. We did see her uh, chug a beer, uh, which I thought was pretty funny uh, for multiple reasons. Just because, I mean, I never would have expected to see Taylor Swift chugging a beer on live television. But um, I also thought it was pretty funny that people were, like, getting all upset over it. It's like, when you're at a football game, that like, that's something that you do sometimes, like when you're just having fun, like if it was anyone else, I feel like no one would have gotten upset over it. But I think just because Taylor Swift has been shown so much on screen for the NFL games, it was just so easy to just immediately get upset with her doing that. Um, But again, I think she was just, you know, trying to have fun and like that's what any of us would do. So yeah, like, and the other thing is, like, with Taylor, I feel like lots of people are misplacing their anger. Like, it's really easy to put your anger on Taylor because she's the one that's getting showed on the screen. But really, the anger should be at the people showing her on the screen because they know that you don't like that. But they also know that people are going to tune in to not like it. And that's how they make their money. So, in a way, they're playing us. Um but yeah, uh, they're just they're trying to make money off the hate. So just keep that in mind next time. All right, so so, I, so like I said earlier, I'm moving the Traveler Nas section to next week because um, the rule change. I'll get into the rule change next week. Um, but I have a few things before we wrap up here today. Uh, for the first thing. The web page is almost done. I went on a roll a couple days ago, and I just could not stop working on it. So, like, all the visual stuff is basically done. Uh, there's a couple other things I need to get worked out before I put it up. But otherwise, uh, it's rel- It's pretty functional. Um, I'm also making it almost like a portfolio, so I'm, I still have to add in, like, stuff for the portfolio. 
I have like I've figured out an organization system, but it's just it's that's gonna take time. Uh, so I think I'll should have it done three weeks maybe, just because you know I'm part time student as well, so I got to focus on school as well. Uh, you know, I just I work on stuff when I can. Next, I'm thinking about doing another photo editing live stream on Saturday. More info will be posted as we get closer to Saturday, just because I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to be doing Saturday. So, you know, got to figure out my schedule there. Also, please send uh, travel clips and or compilations to the Discord since uh, next week will be the conclusion of the first compilation. So I want to have stuff that you got, like clips that you guys want to see ready to go after we finish the next compilation. And lastly, with the conclusion of the NFL season, there's going to be a greater focus on college basketball and college swimming. Uh, college swimming, the, the championship season is coming up. It's like right before March Madness, like with conference championships. And then conference championships for basketball is also coming up pretty soon. I want to say it's going to be—actually, no— because March Madness is during spring break, so it's going to be like, oh, wow. It's probably next. It might be next week, maybe. I'm going to have to double-check that. Um, but, yeah, it, things are starting to pick up in both of those, so I'm going to start honing in my focus on both of those sports. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, I will see you all next week. Uh Again, don't forget to send travel clips to the Discord. And yeah, see you guys.